You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. for being in Bible study tonight and in our series called Better. Amen. Welcome to lesson number six. And uh, we've been going through the book of Leviticus. That's, this will be the last night that we focus uh, primarily on the book of Leviticus. And we will go to Hebrews in the next lesson. And, um, but there is many connections throughout the lessons, so we'll be going back and forth a little bit. And so uh, please keep that in mind. And uh, we've been focusing on all different topics throughout the book of Leviticus. And we're going to try to bring it all together tonight for uh, this last lesson. And uh, just to try to highlight a few things. Um, It's impossible, obviously, to do uh, every verse, every chapter, every topic. But if you're reading through the book of Leviticus, you'll find... Uh, that there's many uh, topics that are spent in there. So the book of Leviticus is really uh, one of the most interesting and important books of the entire Old Testament uh, because uh, of what it, what it has in, within the book. It's about 10 weeks or so after their deliverance from Egypt uh, that the Israelites arrived at Mount Sinai, and then you had... Um, what we have throughout the book of Leviticus. So they had experienced, obviously, a redemptive uh, revelation of deliverance uh, that we talked about with the Passover, and uh, that brought them out of Egyptian bondage. And they saw uh, the lightning, they heard the thunder, they recognized uh, Yahweh as he spoke to Moses and gave them commandments, and they knew that Yahweh had claimed them as his people. And so the Lord was uh, going to do everything possible, obviously, to let them know that they were uh, his people. And that's still relevant to us today. Um, We talked about a little bit over uh, a few lessons ago about the offerings, but just uh, to connect some dots tonight, the burnt offering expressed uh, the individual's self-surrender uh, of, a, of their will or our will to God. That's why Paul writes in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so the relevance of the burnt offering from the Old Testament to the New Testament is our lives today becomes a living sacrifice that we offer to the Lord on a daily basis. The peace offering was gratitudes for the bounteous mercies of God and his everlasting mercy. And we saw that uh, take place at Calvary when Jesus was reconciling Uh, our lives, and uh, you see that in Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things 
are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. It was a peace offering. God went to Calvary so that you and I tonight could be reconciled to him, to have peace with God. This is all uh, relevance from the book of Leviticus. And that peace with God, Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And we have fellowship with God and fellow believers because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, John writes about it in 1 John 1 and 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth us from all sin. So uh, there has been a peace offering made. Jesus died on the cross uh, for our sin. And the sin offering, uh, which was uh, sorrow from having erred uh, from the way of God and, and obviously God wanting us to be reconciled, brought back to him in our walk with him. The writer of Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 12 says, but this man, after he hath offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made uh, his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And so you see through the book of Leviticus, whether it's the burn offering, uh, the peace offering, the sin offering, God has always been wanting to get us back into uh, a, a proper relationship with him. And through these congregational sacrifices, uh, he taught uh, vital lessons to all the members, all the people of that day, and obviously all the people of the church today, that he is the solution. He is the solution. Thank God that he has become our solution. And Peter writes about that in 1 Peter chapter 2, 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. This is the relationship that he wants us back into with him. And so um, to, to look at the book of Hebrews, we, or Leviticus, excuse me, we see, as we talked last week, about worshiping and how uh, the, the conformity of, of the book of Hebrew, or Leviticus is to get us back into that relationship with the Lord, to even uh, as worshipers. So God gave them the key for this all to happen, not only uh, to this book, um, but uh, throughout the nation of Israel and throughout uh, the writings of the Old Testament into the New Testament. And we see the key that brings the book of Leviticus together. And that key is in Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 26. And it says, And ye shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have severed you from other people, 
that ye should be mine. Not only does God want a relationship with us, but he doesn't want us to have a relationship with the world any longer. He doesn't want us to have ourselves controlled by the enemy at any time. He wants you and I to be his people and for him to be your God. Amen. For you and I to be holy unto him. Uh, holiness and separation is still God's desire for his people. It's always been his desire. It still is his desire. See, in God's kingdom, holiness isn't a luxury. It's a necessity. God wants you and I to be like him. Like him. That's why the book of Hebrews, which is a connecting book to this, says in chapter 12, verse 14, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. It is what brings us together with him. He's holy. He's wanting us to be like him. He wants us to be like him. And uh, this, is the, this is the striving. God, I want to be more like you. And so you have the Le book of Leviticus, which is based around these very thoughts that God is interested in a relationship with you, but he's interested in having that relationship in such a way that you only have it with him and not the world. That's his desire. God's not interested in good mixers. He desires great separators. He doesn't want me to fit in with the world. He wants you and I to stick out. He wants you and I to be uh, uh, in this world, not uh, being able to be camouflaged in any way. No, no. He wants you without a doubt to everyone to know that you are his and he is yours. That's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 7 and 1, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That says you and I are to stick out. Sometimes people think that's a bad thing. Not a bad thing. When you stick out for the Lord, you portray what God wants you to portray. And I want to be portraying him. I don't want there to be any question of whose side I'm on. I don't want there to be any question. I don't want there to be uh, uh, a mix-up on whose side I'm serving. I want God to know. I want the world to know. I want to know that I want to be like him. Uh, Jonathan Edwards said, He that sees the beauty of holiness or true moral good sees the greatest and the most important thing in the world. Holiness includes purity of life, purity of action, and purity of thought. And uh, these three things are always something we're striving for. Uh, it's not, well, you know what? I've, I've arrived. I'm holy enough. <laughs> That's never the case. That'll never be the case. We'll never respond that way. We are in a continual Striving for purity in our life, purity in our action, and purity in our thought. The three areas of our life. Holiness is an active principle. It's not something that you and I arrive at. It's, um, you, you, you don't look at someone and say, well, you know, they're holy enough. It's never the case. It's an active principle. It is a continual process. It is a growing aspect. 
It is, uh, uh, holiness is an active principle shaping and regulating every part of our human life, uh, no matter where we live, how we live, what we're a part of. Holiness is something that's active in our life on a daily basis. We don't strive to be holy just on church days. Our, our goal is for our action, our life, and our thought to be holy uh, in private as well as in public each and every day. Each and every day. Uh, Charles Spur uh, Spurgeon said, if I had my choice of all the blessings I, could, I can conceive of, I would choose perfect conformity to the Lord Jesus Christ or in one word, holiness. Uh, what Charles Spurgeon is saying, if I could have anything that I could ask God for, it would be to be like him. Because uh, that's what God wants in our relationship with him, to get it back. So you can think of what it was like before the fall. Uh, before the fall, there was no sin. God's desire, and we will attain that, uh, that place where uh, that's what he is going to uh, have us attain to in eternity with him. There will be no sin. There will be perfect relationship again, and we will be holy as he is holy. Amen. And so you see in chapter 19, the demand, ye shall be holy. This is in Leviticus chapter 19, uh, and it's included in part of the ethical doctrines. Uh, in chapter 11, you see it even included in the dietary laws uh, where he wants us to be holy. Uh, the rules on holiness govern the body as well as the soul. And since the body is an instrument through which the soul acts, he wants our entire life to be holy unto him. So he doesn't just want me to be holy uh, in my, uh, in my uh, conversation. He doesn't want me just to be holy in my thought. He wants me to be holy in my body. So our body, our soul, uh, and our spirit, he wants us to be holy. A holy people of a holy God, we keep ourselves from moral transgressions, from defilement of this world. We, we keep ourselves um, by barriers, guidelines, um, however you want to call it. People, some people say rules. It's, it's really, I, I, want to, I want to get as close to God as possible, not be like the world or affected by the world or infected by the world. So we live in the world, but I don't want to be of the world. I want my life uh, to have moral uh, purity. I want my, my life to not be defiled by this world. And it doesn't matter who you are. You cannot be in the world and it not affect you if you allow it to. You just can't. If you're in the world, you have to be intentional about not being affected or infected with the world because there is no give or, or no stopping the world trying to affect your life. And so the whole process behind God, I want to be like you. I want to have, um, have this intentional desire as it is throughout the book of Leviticus. So a fundamental concept is one half of the book of Leviticus deals with sacrifices and the laws. So one half of the book 
deals with that. And the other half deals with holiness and sanctification of our human life. And so as much as it is important for us to have festivals that are relevant today, as much as it is important for us to have offerings that are relevant today, or as I taught on the lesson of, of being away from sin uh, that's represented by leprosy, as much as that is relevant to us today, half of the book focuses on our relationship with God in being holy unto Him. That's a, con- that's a pretty good part of this is not an afterthought. This is not something that, well, God would just pass off. No, He wants us to be like Him. And so that is, we have to be intentional. So in ancient times, Jewish children, they began to study the scripture, and they actually began with the book of Leviticus. Uh, and you, you see that in their lives. You, you, uh, there's scriptures that they learned, obviously, uh, throughout the, the other four books that are in the first five books of the Bible. When you hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, that's, that's read and spoken to them on a daily basis, even before they're born. But children were uh, in the process, especially between the ages of 5 and, and 12, where they memorized these five books of the Bible, the first five books of the Bible. And the idea was that children uh, memorizing these scriptures would see the importance of, of uh, holiness unto the Lord, the purity of what God desired in their life. Yes, they would experience the sacrifice, but they would also see that from an early age that God desired their lives to be like Him. Now, you would say, well, there's not a lot of, um, a, a lot of major sins probably that a child is doing between the ages of 5 and 12, but it was setting the foundation that this is what your life should be like not to be affected or infected by outside society. And um, I, I think that's actually a good practice, even in 2022, uh, for our children to learn, this is, way, this is the way God wants you to walk before Him. This is the way God expects uh, uh, your life to be before Him. Let it be part of a daily learning process. If you've come into the church uh, at a later age, this is a good thing to practice, God. I want my life to be like yours. Help me to understand how you want me to live uh, for you in, in my life, in my purity, and in my thoughts. Help me, God, for my life to be what you want it to be. So, when you're, when you're uh, kind of finding the conclusions here of the book of Leviticus, uh, the conjunction word and uh, connects the book of Leviticus with the book of Exodus. Exodus closes with the tabernacle set up and Jehovah uh, taking possession of it as symbolized in the, in the cloud of glory descending upon it, filling the holy of holies, with the glory of Jehovah. You see that in Exodus chapter 40, verses 33 to verse 38. And then you see the book of Leviticus opening with Jehovah dwelling between the cherubim in the holiest place and speaking to Moses out of the tabernacle in chapter 1, verse 1. And so Leviticus opens with God in the midst of his people. He's always desired to be in the midst of his people. At the end of the book of Leviticus, he wants to be in the midst of his people. And when we connect it to Hebrews starting next week, he wants us to be 
uh, in the midst of, he wants to be in the midst of his people. It's always been his plan. Here tonight on a Wednesday night, he wants to be in the midst of his people. And so the book of Leviticus opens that way. And you see that can, uh, the record contained in Leviticus comprises of the very words of Jehovah in, in verses 1 and 2. And in the book we read the divine command. Speak unto the children of Israel. You'll see that over and over again. Speak unto the children of Israel. Speak unto Aaron. 40, or 24 times you see that phrase where speak unto, speak unto. Let everyone hear. What are they to hear? They're to hear about the sacrifices and to hear, and to hear about the holiness of God. And the words that the Lord spake or commanded are mentioned 56 times within the book. And uh, so these are not suggestions within the book. Holiness is not a suggestion by God. It is a command. Speak unto the children of Israel. Speak unto Aaron. Let it be commanded. Let these words be that God desires you and I to be separated unto him. I have no doubt in my mind that if we are honest with God and we make that a statement, God, I am going to separate myself unto you. The Holy Ghost will convict you and I when, when it's not right it will. The Holy Ghost will. You don't have to question the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God. It will quicken your spirit if you and I are honest with God and say, I want to be separated unto Him. You got something you're praying about? Pray about it. Let the Holy Ghost talk into your life. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will always be honest with you. What happens is sometimes we kind of interfere and want it to sound like we want it to sound. That's not the Holy Ghost speaking. That's our flesh speaking. If we allow the Holy Ghost to talk to us, the Word of God will come alive to us. And because it is a command for us to be like God, the Spirit of God will talk to us in what He desires for our life. Um... I have no doubt in my mind that the Spirit of God desires for you and I to be close to the Lord, separated unto Him. Um, and so you see within this book, um, when, it, when, it's, um, when it's spoken or commanded 56 times, and he says 21 times that I am the Lord Jehovah, he's got a clear relationship of back and forth. This is what I desire. And this is what I expect. Now, sometimes people, well, is, is these things relevant in 2022? Well, the book of Leviticus is quoted or referred to over 100 times in the New Testament. So the writers of the New Testament are going back to the book of Leviticus over 100 times. And in their writing, it was relevant. So in 2022, if it was relevant when the New Testament was being written, we're part of the New Testament church. So it's relevant to you and I tonight that if they're going back and referencing the book of Leviticus over a hundred times, we probably should take note in what it says. 
Okay, so taking note in the sacrifices, the offerings, the, the festivals, yes, that's, that's, all nice, that's all nice and relevant stuff. But we also have to take note in being holy unto the Lord. And when we take note of that, because of it being referenced so many times, uh, then I think our honesty with God has to be, God, would you just talk to my life? I'm not talking about you watching and trying to learn something on YouTube. I'm talking about finding yourself in prayer before God and letting the Spirit talk into your spirit the Word of God. There's something powerful about when God's Word is illuminated into our life by His Spirit. Doesn't matter how long you and I have been in church. When the Holy Ghost reveals something to you and I about being closer to God, you'll know it didn't come from the flesh. It did not come from the flesh. Because something about God is He wants that relationship with you to be the way He's always designed it in the midst of His people. You know, sometimes we just have to ask ourselves, would we act, talk, go, do uh, whatever is happening in our lives if the Lord was right there beside us? Okay, sometimes we think of it in those terms. Well, you know, it, there's not a physical being here. Well, if you have the Holy Ghost, he's actually inside of you, not beside you. <laughs> the Holy Ghost uh, will speak into our spirit if we will listen the Holy Ghost will actually convict or speak to us, talk to us. And um, uh, I can tell you that the flesh is never interested in you getting closer to God. And so if the Spirit is talking to you, you'll know. You'll know. The book of Hebrews uh, makes so many allusions to uh, the book of Leviticus and its institutions, the priesthood, the sacrifices, it's, uh, it's kind of thought of as being a commentary on the book of Leviticus. And so when you see that over a hundred times in the New Testament, Leviticus is spoken about, a lot of those times is in the book of Hebrews. And so the, the book of Hebrews, and in our study that will start next week, that the book of Hebrews brings to life uh, the principles, the guidelines of the book of Leviticus into a more modern-day living for God. The book of Hebrews is written to the church. You and I are part of the church. And so it takes those sacrifices and the holiness of God in the book of Leviticus and actually gives commentary on those things when it comes to us living for God. So when we start and we start to study the book of Hebrews, it's going to bring to life the principles of the book of Leviticus into our life in 2022. Um, in Exodus, we see Jehovah redeeming and bringing unto himself the people of his choice and taking his place among them in the, in the tabernacle. And in Leviticus, we find him giving his people uh, specific and careful directions. And that theme of uh, in holy or, or holiness um, and how he wants us to live. Do you know that the word 
occurs 90 times in the 27 chapters of the book of Leviticus. 90 times holy or holiness is mentioned. So I think God wants us to be like him. Be holy as I am holy. Um, chapter 19, verse 2 says, Speak unto the congregation of the children of Israel and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Um, it's not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. The, the words are very clear. Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Uh, notice in the, the Leviticus 20, 26. <coughs> Excuse me. And ye shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have severed you from other people, that ye should be mine. That's a pretty interesting way of putting it, isn't it? I have severed you from other people. I have separated you. I have called you out of darkness. I have, I have brought you into a relationship with him. That's why the scripture says he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So when the word holy refers to God, it means that he is essentially uh, pure and righteous. And therefore he is superior uh, to every other thing. So there's nothing else in the world that compares or competes with the holiness of God. Um, that word holy refers to man. When it refers to man, it means that even though he is sinful, he is separated unto God. So when it refers to God, he's superior. When it refers to man, it means that we're in a sinful state but he wants us to be separated unto him. And when it refers to things, it means that even though they're, they're common, they're also set apart for the service of God. So you th see through the book of Leviticus, certain things were set aside for the service of the Lord. Um, so uh, if you were looking, for example, in 2022, well, people have talents and God desires those talents, for example, to be separated unto him. So you have a God, you have a God when you're thinking about holiness, who is superior. You have man who is sinful, but God wants you and I to be separated. And he wants our life with the things of our life to be unto him and only unto him. This is the process behind what God desires in our life when, it, when we're dealing with holiness. So many people make it a checklist, and you can... You can start that way and miss the whole point. If you start with, I want to be like God, I want to be like Him, then everything else falls into place. If we're honest with the spirit that He has placed within our lives. If the spirit of God, which is superior, is working on the sinful part of me, which is separated, then everything else will fall into place if I listen to his voice. See, um, the fundamental ordinances of Israel's communion with Jehovah are set forth in the sacrifices 
and the ordinances. That's the, that's the fundamental ordinances of, of what Jehovah uh, had set up for Israel to commune with him. The laws that are uh, uh, for, for Israel is that he wants to have a covenant relationship or communion with us. That's why the series is called Better. So, yes, he has guidelines. He has ceremonial laws. He has sacrifices. He has ordinances. Those are guidelines. Okay, but you could try to keep all those and miss what God's trying to do. What he's trying to do is for you and I to have a relationship with him that we are not separated anymore from his presence. So, yes, I'm thankful for the structure and the guidelines, but get inside of that and have communion with him and find yourself in his presence and everything else is so insignificant. It is so insignificant because you just want to be like him. And when you just want to be like him, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. And so you find yourself in his presence and you're not, you're not controlled by time. You're not controlled by what he asks of you or no, God, it's, I'm, I'm in love with you. What can I do to please you? Yeah. You know, uh, have you ever seen instances where it appears that maybe a couple is out for a meal maybe out for a date, and they're both sitting at the table on their phones. Have you seen that? Have you looked across, you know, the aisle or the restaurant, and you're thinking they're spending incredible quality time <laughs> on their phone? Uh, it's kind of sad. You, you, you look at it, and it's kind of like, man, they have such an opportunity to have a valuable relationship right now and they're spending it doing whatever well if we're not careful we can know God okay and be in his presence and not have a valuable relationship with him and so we're in his presence but we're not talking to him and he's not able to talk to us. Let me tell you, God's never on his phone. He's never on his phone. He's, he's waiting for you and I to get off of our spiritual phone so he can talk to us, but he's never on his phone. He's always in this, I want you to be like me. That's his desire. And, and again, you're, you're battling on a continual basis the world that's trying to corrupt your holiness with him with things, with stuff, with activities, and uh, you're in this continual battle uh, that's against you being like him. It's every day, every day, you're in that battle. And you and I have to fight against what the enemy's trying to do. So when, when, you, when you get into that relationship with him, and that's the most important thing, and you want to be like him, then there's, there's some worship that arises out of your life in different aspects of your life. Um, 
this, this is, these are, these are uh, external, and you see this in the book of Leviticus, four external requirements for us to have that relationship or that worship with God. Um, a place where God made himself known. God made himself known to them. A people whom he claimed as his own. He wanted to be their God. Number three, a priesthood through whom he received the offerings of the people. That was through Leviticus. And then you had a careful, regulated system where you spent time with him or worshipped him. That, these are the guidelines through Leviticus. Think about those things tonight. You have a God who wants to make himself known to you. You have a God who wants to be your God. You have a God, amen, who has become your high priest. And you have a God that wants you to worship him in every aspect of your life. Let me tell you, there is no room in there for anything but God. Whatever's happening through your work day, work is work. But you can worship God in your work. You can worship God at the grocery store, in line at the bank. You can worship God in every aspect of your life because you have a God that wants to make himself known to you. You have a God who wants to be your God. You have a high priest that took care of everything that's, that costs for you, and he wants you to worship him through your life. This is all about our relationship with him. Be holy as I am holy. And I think when we start to visualize that God is so in love with us. He is so in love with you. It's hard for us to actually comprehend how much he's in love with us. Underlying these four requirements as the rock or the bottom of what the book of Leviticus is built on was the holiness of God in how he just wants you to be like him. Uh, contrary to what you may hear today in sermons that are preached today, um, popular religious um, songs even and messages emphasize um, the love of God. And that is true. God is love. And so there's a lot of emphasis that's put upon the love of God. But less emphasis that's put on the holiness of God. And so we get kind of bent out of shape a little bit on just falling over ourselves in the love of God. And the love of God is real. He loves you so much that you and I cannot explain it. But if we're not careful, we get caught up in just the love of God and his desire for us to be like him. So he loves you and I so much that he refuses for me to remain the way I am. And it's a continual process of him beckoning me towards him. And wanting me to get closer to him. It's a continual process because he loves me so much for me to be like him. 
Now think about it in the natural sense. Um, you have a little child. I don't know. Let's four, five, six years old. And they think their mom or their dad can do anything. Wouldn't matter what it was. Their mom and dad's the best. And they can do anything. And they want to be like them. The simplicity of that child thinks they're, and they're not saying this, but in their actions, they're thinking their parent is like God. I mean, their, their mom or their dad is, I mean, um, no one compares to them. They're not like anyone else. They're not, they're not connecting with other moms and dads like their mom and dad. It's a natural sense that happens with a child. Well, in the spiritual realm, we're his children. He is our heavenly father. And the natural process is that we would like to be like him. And so he loves us so much that he refuses for us just to be the way we are but rather works on our lives to come into a greater communion and relationship with him to be holy as he is holy. I think if we, uh, I think if we grasp um, the holiness of God in that sense, we approach it totally different. Everything in the book of Leviticus was intended to stimulate a holiness towards God. They had the offerings and the sacrifices which were um, very clearly stated in how and what had to happen. But there was a stimulant given to the people of God when it came to the holiness of God that, that Israel would be a holy nation because God was holy. And he desired his people to be like him. Have you ever had an instance where, I don't know, someone's in their teens or early 20s and, and they're not with their parents, but yet you know without a doubt whose child they are? They talk like them. They look like them. Their actions are like them. You see them maybe in public or they're in front of people talking and you're like, oh, my goodness, no trouble to tell whose, whose child they are. You ever had that happen? Yeah, it happens. It can happen on a regular basis. You, uh, I, I knew when I first saw you whose son you were, whose daughter you were. The influence of years produced a likeness. Now, hopefully that's in the good way. <laughs> But it produced a likeness because they spent time with them. It was like a stimulant. Um, careful how I say this. My dad will be watching, so. Or if he isn't watching, he'll watch it tomorrow. Um, I'll do something, look a certain way, say something, 
And my wife will say, you're acting, you're looking, you're talking just like your father. <laughs> she hasn't said it yet today, but today is not over. Happens on a pretty regular basis. Well, some of that is spending time with, having spent time with, been influenced by, stimulated with the actions of. And so God, God had, this, had this desire for his people to be a holy nation, so he stimulated in them a desire for holiness. And the purpose of the book of Leviticus is summed up in these different details when it comes to his people. Israel was taught that Jehovah their God was a holy God and they were a sinful people. God did not excuse that they were sinful. He doesn't excuse it today. Okay, there's no participation trophies. I was a sinner in need of salvation. There was a holy God and I was a sinful person. He was superior and I was separated from him. It hasn't changed. This is still relevant today. Well, you know, they're good people. It's sinners or non-sinners. Hey, I'm either a sinner or a sinner saved by grace. It's one or the other. There's no such thing as, well, they're just a good person. It doesn't work. I need salvation. I need my life to be separated unto God. That's the purpose of the book. I want to be holy like he is holy. Number two, Israel was taught that there must be some means of approaching a holy God by sinful man. So because I was a sinner, the Lord gave an opportunity. There is a way for it to be fixed. I can get back to what he has desired. Through the book of Leviticus, you see offerings. You see, for example, the Day of Atonement, which was so powerful in chapter 16. That was a powerful day. And you can read through that chapter. Read through it in different translations. It will give you a great understanding of what happened once a year for sin to be removed from a person's life, pushed ahead, taken care of for that year. But because I was a sinner, God desired for me to be able to approach him and it had to be done a certain way. Israel was taught, number three, that the man who breaks the covenant or law is worthy of death. The law was demanding. And a just penalty for disobedience was required. That's what the book of Leviticus teaches. There is a penalty for sin and it is death. That's why Paul writes such a powerful scripture. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then goes on to write, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The way to approach him is through Jesus Christ who paid the price 
for the penalty that I deserved. I was in line to receive a penalty for disobedience. And because God's design was, I'm going to give an approach for the sinful man to come to a sinless God, I'm going to take care of the penalty. Say, Pastor, this, this is uh, information I know you need, I need, we all need to hear again that God had an approach for you and I to come to him. We, we were uh, destined to be on the outside, but he was destined for you and I to have a relationship with him and to be like him. Number four, Israel was taught that the only way of approach to a holy God was by a means of a sacrifice as atonement for sin. And that animal in Leviticus must die for sin to be atoned. And that's why it's so powerful what John wrote. For behold, he said, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What had to be paid was the death of an animal. And Jesus became that supreme sacrifice once and for all, that sin would be taken away out of our life. The approach was I was to be destined to death, and Jesus took my place and died instead and became the Lamb of God. See, the great permanent message is that the sacrifice as the basis and the priesthood as the means is the way of access, access to, to get to God as a sinner. Sacrifice had to happen and the priest had to do it, and Jesus became both. Did you hear what I said tonight? He became the sacrifice and the high priest. No one else was going to have any influence on whether I could get to God or not. Nothing or anyone can stop you and I from having relationship with him. He became the sacrifice and the high priest. When he stepped into hell and took the keys to death, hell, and the grave, he became victorious over everything that had any influence on what would happen to me. Thank you, Jesus, that you not only became the, the sacrifice, but you also became the high priest. So I, as a sinner, have access to the throne room of God. Get out of your heads. Don't even let it be part of your thought that anyone can influence your walk with God if you don't want it to be allowed. Because he already cleared the path. He was the sacrifice and the high priest, and I have a direct line right into the holies of holies because the veil was rent at Calvary, and no one else is part of my salvation with him. Oh, there's people that will pray with you, and there's people that will stand alongside of you, and there's people that encourage you, but they can't save you. And they can't stop you from getting saved. 
Amen. There's a direct line right straight to the throne room. Amen. Where you and I can fall on the mercy of God ourselves and allow the grace of God, which is sufficient for you and I, amen, to accomplish everything in our life. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Mm. Okay. I'm almost done. The only remedy for sin was a substitute, a a substitute sacrifice. And this all looked and pointed forward to Jesus being the Lamb of God. When you look at the, the book of Leviticus, you'll see, for example, on the Day of Atonement, there's two goats. And the high priest would cast lots on those two goats. One was going to be the goat that died, and one was going to be the scapegoat. And when the lot was cast, and the hands of the high priest was laid upon the goat that was was to die, the sin of the nation, the sin of the people, was put upon the goat that was to die. And the Bible says that a, that a man that was respected, highly respected, would take the other goat out into the wilderness, and that goat would be let free. It was the scapegoat. That was the Day of Atonement. What is so incredible for you and I tonight is the lamb stood before the cross, And the sin of mankind was put upon the lamb. And you and I got to go free. Whom the son has set free is free indeed. What is so powerful, and you hear phrases, the sea of God's forgetfulness. You hear uh, the, the idea behind all of that is the sin that was upon your life is no longer used against you. Thank you, Jesus, for the lamb that died so that I, you, get to go free. Yes, we're in a wilderness today, amen, but we're not of this world. That lamb of God ascended that where he is, you may be also, and he's preparing a place for you that that communion and relationship with him will be again without sin, no hindrance, amen, in your relationship with him. What a day that's going to be. Amen. What a powerful day that's going to be when you and I stand before the throne with no hindrances in our relationship with him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's just an overview of the book of Leviticus. And we will jump next week into the book of Hebrews. Everything about the new covenant is better than the old. Thank you, Lord, for being my substitute. Thank you, Lord, for taking my place. I'm so thankful, 
amen, that I get to stand before you tonight because of what God has done for me in my life. You get to come into the house of God because of what he has done for you and your life. Amen. Stand if you would. God, I thank you for your mighty power, your mighty spirit. I thank you, God, for what we feel when we talk about your word. And God, how incredible it is that we can just be more and more like you each and every day. Help us, God, to be, be holy as you are holy. Help us, God, I pray, to be more like you on a daily basis. Let us listen to your spirit that is in our life. Let us be full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, that the spirit that is talking to us uh, and impressing into our spirit is not flesh. But God, it's the power of your spirit working in our life. Uh, bringing us back into a relationship with you. Amen, God. Uh, a sinless God. Taking a sinful person and bringing us back into relationship of worship before you communion with you thank you jesus thank you lord for the opportunity we have god to be more like you on a daily basis let your blessing be upon your people keep us i pray in your wonderful presence and we ask it all in the name of jesus in jesus name amen thank you for joining us tonight for our series on better God bless you. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.